Okay, well, as the children go out to the hall, David's going to come and bring us our Bible reading. Uh, which is taken from uh, Luke 15, and you'll find it on the overheads or in your service sheets. So the parable of the two sons. Jesus continued. No props. So Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called on one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. The story that we've just heard, read, and we've just seen, perhaps in pictures, if you were looking at the screen, is often referred to as the story of the prodigal son. But as we put as the heading in the service sheet, it's really the story, not of one son, but of two sons. And one of them is in particular need of forgiveness. Having gone off with half the family's savings and squandered it all on himself, while the other is in particular need of finding it in himself to forgive somebody else, namely his younger brother. He can't get over the fact that his father has forgiven his wayward brother. And we all fall into one of these two camps at different times in our lives. We either rebel and do things that are downright wrong and hurtful to others, or we harden our hearts towards those who do them. When I walked out of the church the other day and I saw that the bus stop out on Southcote Lane had been smashed up by vandals for the second time in two months, I felt anger towards the perpetrators. My heart felt hardened toward them. And yet, when I point my finger at them, I know that there are three fingers pointing back at me. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, wrote this, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment on others do the same things. Now, I've never smashed up a bus stop, but when I was 18 years old, together with two of my friends, We got drunk one night, we smoked some cannabis, and we started to do some really stupid things. We took the neighbour's car for a drive without his permission. It's called theft in most people's books, known euphemistically as joyriding. And we broke into a club and stole some alcohol and cigarettes so that we could carry on the party. And we got caught. Not that night... But a few days later, I arrived home to find the police waiting, parked up outside our house. And they arrested me and my friends and took us to Swindon Police Station, where we spent a night in the cells, feeling very sorry for ourselves. The worst thing of all, though, was the shame and the guilt that I not only felt for myself, but I had brought upon my family, upon my parents. Everyone in the village would get to hear about who stole the neighbour's car. Like the wayward son returning home after squandering the family's savings with nothing to show for it, I felt utterly worthless. Worse than useless, a total and utter failure. I'd been given a wonderful loving home, a fantastic upbringing. I'd lacked for nothing, and I'd thrown it all back in their faces. In the morning... The duty sergeant came down to the cells, which were sort of down in the basement, and told me that my dad was waiting for me upstairs. This was the moment I'd spent most of the night worrying about and hoping that somehow it could be avoided. 
And I pictured my dad's face full of anger or revulsion at what I'd done. I thought of all the possible different punishments I might face, perhaps even being thrown out of the home for good. I certainly felt that I deserved that. But not one of the thousand scenes that I'd played out in my mind that night prepared me for what happened as I entered the visitor room and saw my dad. He looked at me not with anger in his face, but with love. As he came towards me, he said, Marcus, because that's the name he always called me, I was christened Mark. Marcus, he said, are you all right? Is there anything I can do for you? As the wayward son in our parable this morning comes into view, despite having utterly disgraced his family, not one of a thousand scenes that he had played out on the long journey home had prepared him for what happened next. His father runs to meet him, flings his arm round him and kisses him. His son just hoped to be taken back as a hired hand, but he's welcomed home as the dearly loved son back into the family. And it wasn't until I came to faith at the age of 41 that I fully understood for the first time my father's actions in that police station that morning. But now I do. You see, my father knows Jesus. My father knew that he was loved by God. My father knew of his own need to be forgiven by God. He knew that the Apostle Paul was right when he wrote to the church in Rome that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But he also knew the good news, that the Christian faith, summed up in the letter, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He knew that the only response to a God who loved him so much that he was completely forgiven of all the things that he'd ever done wrong in his life, was to forgive others when they wronged him. On November the 8th, 1987, a bomb planted by the provisional IRA exploded during Enniskillen's Remembrance Day parade, injuring Gordon Wilson and fatally injuring his daughter, Marie, a nurse. The bomb was planted in a nearby building and time to go off at 10.43, just before the ceremony was due to start. And in an emotional television interview that Gordon gave to the BBC only hours after the bombing, he described his last conversation with his dying daughter as they both lay buried in the rubble. Daddy, I love you very much were her last words. Gordon's words in response to the bombing... I bear no ill will, I bear no grudge, were reported around the world. And Gordon Wilson went on to be a leading peace campaigner who helped to end the widespread paramilitary violence on both sides of the divide. Gordon knew Jesus, the Jesus who had hung dying on the cross and said about his executioners, Father, I forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he passed that same love and forgiveness onto his daughter's killers. Some of us, like me, relate to the wayward son who needed to be forgiven, who needed to know that there was hope, that he could still be loved despite what he'd done. 
Others, perhaps some of us here this morning, will relate more easily to the elder brother who was stuck in a place of unforgiveness, who thought it was so unfair that his brother, who was the one who had messed up big time, was welcomed back, forgiven, and even had his homecoming celebrated while he himself had always obeyed the rules, done the right thing, and he resented the love and forgiveness extended to him by his father. In March 2000, I was on a business trip to South Africa. I haven't always been a vicar, as many of you know. And at that stage of my life, I wasn't even a believer. I didn't even go to church. But I spent one weekend staying with an old friend, Chris, at his weekend cottage in the Waterberg area of the Limpopo province in the north of South Africa. And on the Sunday morning, he woke me up with a cup of tea and said, Pads, I'm off to church. He said, if you want to come with me, you'll need to get up. Or you can just lie in and I'll see you later. And I thought, well, an hour of church can't do me any harm. It'd be rude not to. So I accepted his invitation. And as we met with the other people, under this shade in the sun, and they sang together, prayed for one another, and spoke of God's love, I was overwhelmed by an extraordinarily powerful feeling of the presence of God. At one point, an elderly man got up to share a request for prayer. He told us of his recent trip back to the UK when his nephew had just finished his thesis for his PhD he was studying, but it had been failed by the examiner. They knew something didn't add up because his nephew was a straight-A scholar. he never failed anything in his life. And on closer questioning, it turned out that his nephew, who had a strong Christian faith himself, had written on the front cover of his thesis that it was dedicated to his Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And they suspected that for one reason or another, the examiner had taken exception to this and had failed him as a kind of reprisal. So they appealed the decision, and they were waiting for the result, and he asked the church to pray. And I was listening to all of this and thinking to myself, okay, so now they're going to pray for his nephew that his thesis will be remarked and will pass with flying colours, but not a bit of it. As this elderly man stood there, with tears running down his face, he asked the church to pray for the examiner who had failed his nephew, that he would come to know the love and the grace of Jesus in his life. And for me, that was, I think, a turning point. Childhood memories of Sunday school lessons came flooding back. The words of Jesus like, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, do to others what you would have them do to you they began to come alive. It was like I got a new pair of glasses that morning. I saw the world in a whole new way, and I knew deep inside me that I was experiencing right there and then a homecoming, just like the one the wayward son experienced as the father ran to meet him. And I knew that my life was never going to be the same again. I knew that God loved me, that he forgave me, just as my father had in that police station that morning, 
more than 20 years earlier. And I was finally set free, free of the shame and the guilt that had never really left me over all those years. That's what being loved and forgiven by God means. It means being set free from the past and released to live a new life with Jesus. This is the good news of the Christian faith. Not that Christians are better people than those who are not. Quite the opposite. Christians are people who know their need for forgiveness. We are people who know that we have fallen short, who know we have messed up, who know we need the love and grace of God that Jesus brings. And as I conclude this morning, I just have a feeling there might be one or two people here for whom some of this is perhaps new or at least fresh. Perhaps it feels to you as though through the music, through the prayers, through what you've heard me say or Chris say, God might be speaking to you. That God's love and forgiveness might be connecting with you, just as he connected with me in that little church in South Africa 16 years ago. If that's you, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to declare yourself. But I do ask you to do something about it. Because my experience is that the last 16 years since I have known the love and the grace of God in my heart have been the best years of my life. And so I don't want you to miss out. And if that's you, there are, here are three simple suggestions for taking a next step. At the end of the service, there'll be some people, members of our prayer ministry team, who will gather over there by that candle stand And if you would like to perhaps share with them what you felt this morning, and they'd love to pray with you, to pray that your life will be transformed by God's love and his forgiveness. Or, over tea and coffee, come and find me. Tell me that you felt that connection with God this morning, and I'd love to chat to you about it and suggest some next steps. But in addition to either of those things, You can develop your relationship with God. You can develop that connection with God by coming along any Sunday to St. Matthew's at 10 a.m. We meet here every Sunday and simply joining in and seeing what we do, hearing more about God's love and how he helps us to live life to the full. Because Jesus said to his followers that he came to bring us life and life in all its fullness. And who wouldn't want that? I'm going to finish with a short prayer. Lord, thank you for your love and forgiveness. Thank you that as we bring the things we're deeply ashamed of to you, we are forgiven and completely set free. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who fills our hearts with your love and helps us to live life to the full. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.